And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It's cold in them thar hills. My goodness gracious. Winter has arrived. Jason Hunt here in the bunker. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me. If you are new to the channel, welcome. We do invite you to subscribe if you like what you see. If you don't, then uh, you can tell us that too and let us know why. Maybe we'll adjust. We'll see. We are constantly trying to improve things here. And uh, it's been one of those weekends. Comments are open. The live chat's open. Email address live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. And we're on all the social media, most of the social media, a lot of the social media. Parlor looks like it's back-ish. It's still really buggy today. We do encourage you to sign up for our newsletter, which is uh, going to be something that we try to do a lot more with this year. And if you are inclined to uh, partake of these programs in podcast form, we're on iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Double Twitch, Stitcher, and TuneIn and Pocket Cast. Uh, all of those uh, are ways that you can enjoy this program in audio format. Uh, and if you do listen to us as a podcast, we do ask that you uh, rate us, share us, and and that sort of thing. So we kind of kind of can spoof the algorithms a little bit because it does help some. So we'll see. Um, a little bit of just some catching up. Hello, Robert in the chat. Hello, Sci-Fi Snob in the chat. And uh, we are experimenting today. Hopefully the signal does not uh, does not go south and wonky on us because we are broadcasting not only to YouTube... And to Facebook, but also to Twitch. We've reactivated our Twitch channel, and uh, some of that because uh, we're going to be doing some more stuff with SB the Every Fairy, and she's over on Twitch, so we want to make sure that we can cross promote a little bit and some other things. And it does look like uh, now that we got our um, we got our uh, affiliate status back over there we're also able to do watch parties again uh we had we had disconnected on that but it looks like we're going to be able to do that so uh maybe we maybe we put together a watch party at some point and and do some things there so if anybody is uh willing to join us for something like that uh, we're going to try that as well i have sent an email or sent a note to matt mcglowan over at uh cosmicbooknews.com wait a minute what are you doing there mrs boss i'm hearing everything that you're listening to mrs boss i 
Hello. Don't know why that happens. Well, so because I your mic is because your microphone is picking up your speakers. Is what it sounds like. My speakers should so. not be on. Well, I don't know. I'm hearing something. Mrs. Boss is here with us remotely today. Hello. Hello. <sighs> All right. So yeah. So far, I've got green lights everywhere, and of course, now that I've said that, uh, we will uh, we will be going. Uh, to gremlin land i'm sure so uh where do we start uh all right so i've got a i've got a note to matt mcglowan over at cosmic book news uh well i guess the url is cosmicbook.news uh cosmicbook.news he's got an article that that posted this morning pedro pascal may exit the mandalorian following gina carano and he's basing this off of mainly off of some some video that uh, that Grace Randolph posted, discussing the fallout and what's going on with Gina Carano getting fired. Well, her contract not getting picked up. Let's be let's try to be as accurate as we can here. And then uh, Pascal, the news coming on the same day that Pascal has been co- uh, cast as um, uh, uh, Joel. In HBO's Last of Us, and this article here from Matt uh, basically kind of puts the the pieces together. Pascal going over to HBO basically puts him back in the Warner Media camp, uh, where he was for Game of Thrones over in HBO, and then of course Wonder Woman with Warner Brothers. All of that under the Warner umbrella. And according to this article, if you go down and look here, uh, the 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 articles that were announcing all of this news were published about the same time. But here, uh, the news about Pascal's casting has been updated. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why people are looking at the dates weird. And McGlone points out the original version of the article, uh, I think from either Hollywood Reporter or Variety or something, they're all the same. Day, uh, Deadline, Variety, and Hollywood Reporter are all essentially the same publication. But the original article says, quote, I hear he could continue on the Star Wars series where he is used sparingly because of the premise of his character, though la- The Last of Us has him in first position. Now, what this means, a little inside baseball here, basically what this means and th- is that in terms of priority for his commitments and contracts, The Last of Us over at HBO will take priority over season three of The Mandalorian. Now, even though he's listed as the star of The Mandalorian, and even though he's already got two seasons under his belt, the original article as it was written says that The Last of Us is taking precedent. Now, it's been revised... And now says, quote, he will continue on the Star Wars series. So I don't know if some of the somebody in Disney PR said, hey, that needs to change or something else. So you stop and consider back what uh, what Grace Randolph was record, was reporting with uh, Pascal having issues. Mrs. Boss, let me ask you, do you think that uh, do you think now we're going to get a season three of The Mandalorian? I don't know. And if for some reason they decide that, like we were talking, I mean, yeah, it's been updated to state that, you know, he's still going to be there. But I think it's 
if this is Disney's way of slowly releasing him over doing anything that he had done in comparison to what she had done, I think it's a cop out. Instead of just straight up saying he did something wrong too, so let's, you know, cut it off there. I don't know. That's just my general opinion. Well, and and you've got, you know, you've got the book of Boba Fett. Yes, like like uh, like Sci-Fi Snob mentions, you've got the book of Boba Fett, which is the next thing. And then, you know, the original the original idea was season three of The Mandalorian was going to be next next winter. And and that's been replaced. You've got the book of Boba Fett coming first. So what if and I know we've talked about this over on the Ranker Pit, and that's probably the more more appropriate setting for this. But this this sets up an, a, a broader, a broader set of topics here. What if this uh, is a pivot? If the book of Boba Fett is a pivot off of the Mandalorian because we have, you know, Grogu is gone. uh, And now with Gina Carano being dismissed. And it looks like, you know, we go back to the the picture. uh, What was it? About a month ago, we had news. This artist was told to replace Cara Dune with Ahsoka Tano in that piece of publicity art. And we've well, known that they were trying to get rid of her since November. So it, it it looks like they've been making contingency plans for there not to be any more Mandalorian at this point. Well, my question is this, is that, you know, yeah, it could be a pivot point. Was that final shot at the very end of the season? I mean, yeah, you've got Luke and all that stuff, but that final shot with... Um, Boba and uh, uh, Fennec, uh, what's her name? Fennec Chan. Uh, yeah. Was that a pickup shot that they did later? Because they realized what was going to happen. They knew they were trying to figure something out. And they did that as a, okay, let's, we can throw this in now. At the very end, it's not like they needed anybody except for the two of them to well they didn't even they didn't even need uh they didn't even need um uh uh tomorrow morrison for that one because he never took his helmet off exactly that could be anybody i mean you've got you've got three people essentially who play the mandalorian and we had heard at one point that the deal was going to be revised so that pedro pascal just comes in and records his voiceover lines Mm -hmm. and you've got brendan wayne and you've got the other guy i can't remember his name um who does all of the stunts, I mean, they're in the suit a, a bulk of the time anyway. You don't really need... They could have need. done the same thing with Boba and yeah. just been like, okay, guys, we're going to have to do this. Let's pull this stuff together real fast and, you know, have it. And at the very end, they're like, okay, we got to throw it in there yeah. because this is what's going to happen. And that, you know, pushes away the Mandalorian gets everybody excited about Boba, then they can sit there and quietly do what they need to do in regards to Gina. But at the same time, you know, they've, you know, we had already heard that there were issues with Pedro. So in reality, it could have been their contingency plan, contingency plan for him. And it just, well, and and the other the other question there is if 
if Pascal is at the point where he prefers to do business with Warner Brothers and he's deciding that he's going to move on from Mandalorian, nobody's really talking about that possibility, but it's a possibility. Not necessarily because of what happened with Gina Carano, but if Season 3 didn't even have Cara Dune and Grief Karga in the plan anyway, if they were going to go do the Darksaber story at, uh, on Mandalore, then, then you don't have... Uh, you don't have uh, uh, Gina Carano or Carl Weathers in that season, and now with Grogu gone, you know the 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 bulk of the the load. Well, the bulk of the load drops on Pedro Pascal and probably Katie Sackhoff, and we know who's going to be the more popular of those two. Yeah. So it could very well be that he's you know, deciding to cut his losses and say, you know, this, this was a great gig for a while, but I mean, cause they use season two essentially as backdoor pilots for every other show that they're going to launch. So it wasn't really his season anyway. Well, and I think that with the loss, I mean, I don't want to say the loss, but kind of the loss of Grogu. Everybody wants to see what happens with the dark saber and everybody wants to see what happens with Mandalore. And I think he's outdone his usefulness. Well, I mean, yeah, he has the dark saber. Somehow he has to unhave the dark saber. But yeah, and you have he, to have him in there to do that because because the way they've left it, Bo-Katan has to get the dark saber from him somehow. Yeah, and that could that could very well be. Hey, you know, I'm. Sorry, it's got to be this way, but I'm going to cut your head off and take the dark saber. And and he's one and done in a, in an episode and finished. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't think they'll do it that way, but there's it's that simple though. Yeah. And then he can sit there and show his face off everywhere else. Yeah. Uh, Robert says, "I can't believe YouTube keeps sending me to top chat and doesn't post snob chats in a chat room of six. You know, it's uh, Robert. That's something that that we have. Did my microphone? Wait a minute. What's going it on here? It keeps popping. It well, no, that's the first time it's happened in a moment, but it did pop in and out. I know that when the countdown sequence was going, it was picture huh. and not really anything else. But that's the first time your mic, while you've talked, has done that. Okay, I'll have to keep an eye on that. That's not good. Okay, so Robert, to, uh, to answer your question, I, I always, whenever I load any live thing anywhere, whether I'm on a mobile device or if I'm on a desktop, no matter whose channel I go to, it always defaults to top chat. I don't know why, uh, but that's I don't I don't think YouTube's being nefarious in that front. I think it's just that's the that's the thing. So um, anyway. Uh, Eastland in the chat, it was unbelievably inept to not handle better the does not work here. It was deliberately callous or inept. Uh, Disney had and might not have competent professionals for press releases. I think, and this is something have we talked still, about. Have they said anything officially yet? No. Um, There's your mic. One, two. Ooh. No, there's no mic. Nothing. There's no sound. Try that. 
Okay, you're talking I'm, again. I might have a I might have a potentiometer going bad here. I have to Whatever have to is. look my the the channel where I have the dial for the volume for the microphone. Okay. I might have uh, I might have one going bad. That's not good because I only got four to start with. Okay, well let's try that. Um, I think you know this is what we talked about on Ranker Pet on on Friday night, and it it feels like a setup. It feels like somebody at Disney or not Disney. I'm, we make the distinction here. Let's let's. Lucasfilm. It was Lucasfilm PR that sent something out by email to someone who said, "Hey, I've got this. I've got this concern about Gina Carano being in there," and they say they've released a statement. But I don't see anywhere where there's an official statement except somebody sent something to Germain Lucier over at io9. That's where this thing broke. And when that happened, then the other trades picked it up. Deadline, uh, uh, Hollywood Reporter, uh, Variety, all of those. This feels like it's a planted conveniently timed story. Now, there are some suspicions that maybe this thing got leaked ahead of the Disney earnings call in order to put pressure on Disney. And there are some that's, that suspect that this thing got leaked in order to kind of put people in place, you know, give give everybody a warning. So, you know, there's there's different camps, there's different schools of thought as to why this thing leaked when it did. Like a warning shot's been fired and I, across you know, the bow? And I suspect <laughs> that it's a warning shot against Drunk 3PO and some of these other YouTubers because the timing of it is such that this thing leaked and dropped on io9 and then blew up everywhere right in the middle of his charity stream that he was doing, Wednesday, was it Wednesday night? Wednesday night. Yes, Wednesday night. And in a matter of hours, this thing was everywhere. And I got to give props to, to Jay over there. They've still managed to raise $43,000 for Operation Underground Railroad. So kudos to him. Um, this feels like, because the Deadline article, I think it was Deadline. It might have been Variety, one of those. And it's the same company, so it doesn't matter. So Deadline uh, drops the article about, you know, Gina is no longer working there. And at the bottom, embeds Twitter activity from Drunk 3PO. Now, Drunk 3PO has been getting a lot of press. You know, Jay's been featured because he did an interview with Gina. And he's been featured in, you know, Bloomberg and Fox and all of these other, other media outlets that sit there and say, well, here's the interview with Gina. And so he's got on everybody's radar now. And I think this was a shot against him and by extension other YouTubers saying, we're watching you. Now, uh, Neon and Geeky Sparkles over at Clownfish TV, they know they're being watched by people at Disney. Doomcock over at, you know, Overlord DVD, he knows that, that he's being watched. Nerdrotic, you know, Gary over there. As versus, you know, as versus Babyface, you know, heels versus Babyface, as over there, um, Anna, that Star Wars girl, all geeks and gamers, they're all being watched by the people who are making this stuff. There's an awareness of the YouTube community that's coming out criticizing things like Disney, Star Wars, Star Trek, Doctor Who, and all of that. 
So this could be one of those things, and I'm not saying it is, I'm just throwing this speculation out there, but the timing of it is such that it makes me wonder if somebody was sitting there saying, hey, Jay, we're, we're watching you too. And it just speaks to exactly the point that Gina was trying to make when she shared that post on Instagram. Because we're not talking about 1944 Germany. We're talking about mid-1930s, late-1930s Germany. And other countries that the Germans invaded, turning neighbor against neighbor in order to make it easier for them to subdue the citizenry. Your pol- but again, like your we police state on the show on Friday night, it's not I mean the American public is not being taught what history did or what happened in the past to get us to that point. And I've told you this before, mm-hmm. when it came, you know, coming from the public school system in California, you know, we, we rushed up into, when it came to history, we rushed into some of World War One. we got some of the depression in World War Two, and never took a look at Korea or Vietnam yeah. or the well, Cold there's just, or anything like that. There's and just too much of it. When they do talk about World War II, they don't really talk about what led up to it, just the terrible things that came of it yeah. and the historical moments of it. Well, the other part of that, too, is you look at, um, you look at what, what gets taught, but also um, who's in charge of what gets taught. And... Once you get past a certain point, then you have a lot of uh, you have to you have to turn your attention to the communist regimes. And since the days of Woodrow Wilson, that's been kind of a no-no. And and you have you know it's documented it's historic fact that there have been communists and communist sympathizers in the United States State Department uh, over the years and going all the way back to Roosevelt and it is one of those things where academia as well as our entertainment and our news media has been infested with this mindset that that it's okay to be a communist um, in the chat people are talking about um, battlefield earth to do a watch party for Battlefield Earth. <laughs> so I think, you know what? That that might actually be fun because I will admit I have never watched Battlefield Earth. Well, um, and you know with my history, I have a huge bias against it. Well, so, yeah. It, uh, but I'll watch it for everybody else's sake. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I don't, it's, you know, hmm. Yeah, uh, Eastland's right. Th- three or four generations taught to do multiple choice tests, and those are more easily manipulated. I also think the websites mentioned have a more intelligent audience. That's part of that. That's a good point. That's an excellent point. And I want to I want to expound on this here for just a second because in my thirty-two years in media, I have come across this notion multiple times from both uh, colleagues and coworkers as well as clients. I had a client once 
we made some probably a good 70 different commercials over the years. And he was absolutely convinced that your audience, you have to approach your audience as if they have an eighth grade education, no more than an eighth grade education. And I hear this every now and again, and, and it goes around in various different circles in terms of, uh, you know, assuming the intelligence of your audience. And it has always struck me as a little insulting to assume that your audience is no more intelligent than a junior high student. But it also kind of falls into what I, what I see going on on social media now where people are, you know, what I, you know when I sit there and I say they're emotionally constipated, the, the, the cancel cult never grew out of junior high. So I might have to rethink this at least in terms of social media, when we go on to social media, let's assume everybody is an eighth grader. But well, when we're making television programs, we're making television shows, when we're making news articles and reviews, let's assume that our audience is more intelligent than that. Because it's a sign of respect. I'm going to respect you and I'm going to treat you like you actually have a brain. Well, and it's like with my job when I have to do any type of written information that leaves and goes out into the public that's what we are also told is to write at an eighth grade level or below i mean i have a degree that has is part english and so you know i spent how much money going to college to critically think and write <laughs> because i felt that any job that you have you need to be able to have those two skills yeah. successfully and then I get my job and I'm told to write it in an eighth grade level. So I'm having to tone it down, unlearn my vocabulary and keep it simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. Well, and I understand for what I have. Yes, I, I get where they're coming at. <laughs> but at the same time, you have to give the public a little bit of credit or, you know, a little credit that yeah. they may have something. I mean, I, I get it that if I'm talking about my job, I have to break it down. If I'm talking about how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I shouldn't have to break it down. Well, and, and Sci-Fi Snob in the, in the chat says that if we dumb down our channel, we might get more subs. And if he dumbed dumb down his channel, he might get as many subs as we do. <sighs> So okay, I, I, I hate to say this, but I have to agree. What was it we were talking about today? Was it today or yesterday? Do people just not read? Oh, I mean, yeah, do, no. Do people uh, know how to read? Well, the problem the problem with modern audiences, and and this goes broader than just you know one particular subject matter. Uh, the problem is everybody wants the soundbite. We are in a soundbite culture. They want it in six seconds or less, twelve seconds. You know, say, say yeah, exactly. It's it's you know, get in, get out, clip that. How many? I don't know how many times I've been watching all of these YouTubers and they say, "Well, we're going to clip that. We're going to clip it because everything's in clips. Everything's in little bits and pieces." Um, 
you know, and we're doing it too, but we do it for promos. We don't do it as here's what, what got said. It's a, it's a tease to get people to come in and see and come look at all of this. You know, it's, it's like in sound. Well, sort of. Yeah. And, and I think part of it too is marketing has always been take the juiciest bits and that's your hook. What's, how do you hook them in and bring them into your audience? I mean, it goes all the way back to Carnival Barkers, where, where they're talking about, you know, the, the, the bearded lady and the six-headed, uh, six-headed monkey and, blah, 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 and, and, you know, making the spiel to get people to come into the tent and look at the show. It's the same kind of thing. But too many people in the audience rely only on that and they don't do any digging into the actual articles, into the actual news. I mean, you see what's happening with Gina Carano. The Streisand effect is fully in effect because there were people who sat there and went, wait, she got fired over what? Because nobody, they, no, they weren't paying attention. And that's what usually happens. Something massive happens. Some bomb gets dropped. And people start to pay attention. And then they don't like what they see. And you can see that uh, Robert mentioned his stock price, uh, uh, this, his, his Disney stock earlier. Let me, let me show you this because this is uh, a current look at the Disney stock price. $187.30. Uh, $187 it's down almost 2%. Um, which, granted, is not a lot. But what was the what uh, the 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 Wednesday was what day? Wednesday was the tenth or the eleventh? When was Wednesday? Uh, Wednesday would have been the tenth. Okay, so the tenth, you have the news about Pedro Pascal and you have the news about Gina Carano. Here, on the eleventh, when all of the discussion because it happened late Wednesday night. But it happened, it happened Wednesday night after the news cycle because it's like 7.30 or 8 o'clock when this dropped. On the 11th, you have a precipitous drop from 190 to 187 in a day. It dropped 3.5%. Now, to, to give you a little bit better illustration of the drop, look at that. Look at that drop right there. That, I'm sure, is the fallout. How much long-term pain Disney's going to suffer for this? I don't know. But you look, it hasn't come back. It's now sitting at 187 to 69. But it has not come back. Not yet. And long term, what will it? How much pain? Because now you've got, you know, uh, uh, Tom, Tom over at Midnight Says was talking about when he went to go uh, cancel his Disney Plus account. He had to do the the way his account is set up. He had to actually call uh, a call center and talk to a person and say, "I'm gonna, I want to, I want to cancel my Disney Plus account." And you know, cancel Disney Plus hashtag was was 
trending in a matter of hours over all of this. I have to wonder how much this took them by surprise. Because if this was a decision by Lucasfilm without consulting Disney, you'd have to think that the Disney, the powers that be at Disney knew that this was going on. But there's been suspicion in the past that Lucasfilm has made decisions in order to put Disney people in a, in a corner because that's what we heard about Leslie Headland's hiring is that Kathleen Kennedy hired Leslie Headland and they made the announcement and then the Disney people, according to WDW Pro, the Disney people were sitting there going, wait a minute, what is this? We're not doing any new productions yet because of the lockdown. Why are you announcing this? And there was apparently some consternation behind the scenes with regard to that. So is this another one of those where we get the word out that we're dropping Gina Carano and the Disney people get caught flat-footed because they don't know? And the people in the call center, of course, never get told anything. I've worked in a call center before. I know how that goes. And I really feel sorry for the people who are picking up the phone and getting all of these people canceling their Disney Plus accounts and they're going, can I ask why? And this is because you fired Gina Carano. And the people on the on the phone, according to Tom over at Midnight's Edge, they're 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 completely flummoxed. Uh, uh, they have no idea what to say about all of this because they don't well, know. They, Nobody told them. Well, it's interesting. One of the groups that I've I was a part of over on um, Facebook, you know, for Star Wars, you have people. I mean, this was just. You know, they're like, hey, this isn't a political, you know, group. It's a Star Wars group in regards to this. But people's reactions, you know, there were the people who were angry. There were the people who dropped Disney, all that stuff. But the number of people who turned on them mm -hmm. was quite interesting to watch. Because a lot of what we have seen on, you know, on YouTube and we've talked about has been the, you know anti-Last Jedi and all that stuff. But, you know, the, the people on in this group just were, I mean, it's that sheer disgusting evil, I can hide behind my keyboard reactions to, you know, it's okay for me to sit there and put out, you know, Last Jedi was the best thing ever, but you sit there and you speak out about this, you know, I, it was quite the eye opener over there for some of it that well, I was seeing. You, men you mentioned The Last Jedi. That goes back, if you, if you will recall, what happened to Solo six months after The Last Jedi came out. Harrison Ford had it right. You don't look at them as fans, you look at them as customers. These are people who pay money to you know to purchase your product, whether it's a whether it's a movie or a TV show or a subscription service or a or a, an action figure or a board game or a Lego kit or whatever. I'm spending my money on your brand. And when the last Jedi came out, it was so divisive and so polarizing and you had so many people get angry over that movie that they boycotted solo enough enough people boycotted solo 
that it was a box office bomb, and it was the first Star Wars movie to not do well at the box office. And that particular instance affected the entire plan for rolling out Star Wars movies one a year and all of these things. Because you remember Bob Iger came in there and said, you know what, we're going to take a step back, we're going to reevaluate. Now, I said that if Solo had come out six months later, it might have done better because the anger would have abated a little bit by that point. But for Solo to come out six months after The Last Jedi and for Solo to be a prequel that nobody asked for and to hear all of the shenanigans going on behind the scenes with Kathleen Kennedy firing Lord Miller... It was doomed from the start. And then when we hear all of these things coming out of it, where Lando Lando and the robot, uh, you know, he's pansexual, and it's the, you know, how, how, how Han got his last name. I mean, all of these little tidbits start, start to leak out. And we knew it was going to be a mess. And nobody went. Nobody went to see it. Not enough people went to see it. And I think you're seeing the same kind of backlash here. And I don't think, again, this goes back to what I say about Hollywood always learning the wrong lessons. They're not learning. They didn't learn from Solo. This one is not going to teach them the right lesson either. Because cancel Disney Plus, you're going to have a lot of people that are going to cancel Disney Plus and they're going to start sailing the, sailing the high seas, yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum in order to see WandaVision and maybe Boba Fett. But they had well, and just. Haven't you said that WandaVision is now one of the higher pirate. I know that man, the Mandalorian was pirated pretty good. Yeah, but with WandaVision now, it may and be. I don't know. Ray J um, in the chat. That was one of the things that I had actually brought up to Jason. Was is this somehow? You know, we've talked about that two camps at Lucasfilm. And is this somehow Kathy Kennedy's way of, you know, making sure before she hopefully steps out at the end of the year? But, you know, especially with the way they handled the Leslie Hanlon, you know, announcement and that, you know, that whole aspect and the fact that, you know, there's that she's getting one of those shows. This is a way to make sure that she's not over shined by another female it it could be and, and by the way ray j welcome to the chat i see you come in i'm i'm looking at about five different things here so um uh yeah it it's possible but you've also got a number of people in the fandom menace especially who are discussing the fact that you know this particular instance clearly demonstrates that Kathleen is still in charge and Favreau and Filoni don't have as much power as people might think. I, don't, I, I can see it going either way. Is this a power play from, from Kathleen Kennedy? Maybe. Uh, is, it, is it Favreau deciding that enough is enough and he decides we're not going to do it? But again, if, if season three of the show does not include these characters, then they're not going to have contracts. There may be a contingency contract in the season two paperwork that says, you know, we want to put you, you know, we're going to, we're going to put you on hold. Yeah. We're going to put a hold on you for, 
subsequent seasons will exercise that option at the time. So season four, for for example, or if Rangers of the New Republic was going to be Gina's show. Those, those kind of things are in those contracts. But all parties involved have to agree to activate those, those clauses. And if they've already decided, well, season three is not even going to involve Cara Dune, then we don't renew her contract. And, and, it, and they can make it out to be about her social media activity, which I think is a mistake, especially if you have whoever is in the, in the PR department making that statement about how it was abhorrent and unacceptable and all that stuff. That goes beyond what HR departments are able to do. And if it turns out that the, whoever the PR flunky who, who popped that note out did it without authorization or did it with plausible deniability, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, then you have a scapegoat. And if Disney decides that they need to walk this back because Lucasfilm got stupid, they have somebody that they can blame. They can sit there and they say, that wasn't supposed to go out. That person overstepped their their bounds, overstepped their authority. We never said that we were going to fire Gina. It's just that her character doesn't show up in season three. We'd love to have her back, yada, 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 walk it back. That person falls on their sword. The damage is already done. But, you know, here we are. Everybody's talking about Lucasfilm and The Mandalorian and Gina Carano. Gina Carano comes out a hero. And, you know, we actually we absolutely would love to have Gina back. And so they bring her back. And I don't think she'd come back at this point. But they say, you know, we we had the plan for her to be Rangers of the New Republic. We had it all worked out. And if she were to come back, then that boosts the notoriety and the and the and the the appeal of that show because Gina won. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah that's far fetched. I don't think it's going to happen that way. Um, Aislinn asks, what if Disney and Lucasfilm are just as chaotic and disorganized as heck? Maybe. Maybe. And if there's two camps still inside, who knows? I mean, like I said before, I've worked at TV stations and different divisions of the company are working at cross purposes from each other. We could be looking at something like that. But the fallout on this is going to be is going to be long term. Well, and I'm curious with Gina and what we've seen from her, you know, through her social media, through interviews, things to that effect. If Disney were to walk back somehow and, oh, we're sorry and all that, would she have the... I don't know the word that I want to look for on this, but would she would she go back? Would she just no. sit there and say, "Hey, you guys treated no. me wrong, and She's I have done. more respect for myself"? She's done because what what her statement was when they announced the Daily Wire deal yeah. is it makes it very clear that whatever was going on behind the scenes, whether it was conversations or negotiations or what, uh, it it seems very clear that uh, that that Gina was they were trying to muzzle her. Um, and so I, whatever, whatever Disney and Lucasfilm decide to do, she's not going back. 
And I, I think that's that's a good thing for her. And I think, you know, she'll pick up new talent representation. UTA is not the only talent agency in Los Angeles or Hollywood or New York or wherever. I mean, there are talent agencies all over the country. There's there's, I think, you know, a, probably half a dozen here in Canton City. You know, there's there's three or four in St. Louis. There's talent agencies in Dallas. So there there are talent agencies other other places and somebody will pick her up if they haven't already. And the Daily Wire thing, she'll be able to develop her own IP. And if she wants to make a, a, a brand new franchise, she's got the freedom to do that. And it, it it's all hers. So, uh, yeah, Sci-Fi Snob has a good question. What would Gina gain from going back? She wouldn't. Because the now uh, you have uh, you have Blaster Fire... You know, you'd be walking back into a place that is damaged. You know, the entire relationship is damaged goods at this point. It's like so, breaking up and then getting back together. Yeah, I think so. And Eastland, it could be there's there's more than two camps, uh, but for the for the purpose of the discussion of uh, that most people are having, I think it kind of boils down to essentially you have the Kennedy camp the people who are loyal to kathleen kennedy and then you have the people who are loyal to the original vision of george lucas whether they're whether george is in that camp or not whether it's favreau and filoni versus kennedy or you know bob Iger might have his camp but it it it, it simplifies things to to sit because it does seem like the majority of the back and forth kind of boils down to two schools of thought uh there may be more uh there may be more divisions uh different people who have got different different motives i mean the story group could be their own thing outside of what kathleen kennedy does and now you've got momita and gupka coming in as a senior vice president of of things and some people are wondering if she's being set up to replace Kennedy when Kennedy's contract is up in September. So there's still a lot of things that are still in flux with all of this that it could go any direction. But, yeah, Gina is done over there. Um, let's see here. Um I can see what you say, Eastland, with having two camps and the little opportunists yeah. that like, oh, how, if I if I go this way today, it'll help me with this. But tomorrow I'm going to completely flip sides because it'll get me a, a little farther than I was yesterday without getting me fired because I'm against this side again. Yeah, there's no there's no question there's some of that going on, I'm sure. Well, and then you have. Whoever is putting out disinformation, and we know that that's happening as well, because you know some some YouTube channels, some people have have gone on to YouTube and done interviews saying that they're doing it. Um, they are trying to discredit uh, people like uh, Gary at Nerdrotic and Doomcock and and Midnight's Edge and whoever else is not of the proper think. So it's. I don't know. It's going to it's going to be it'll be interesting to watch how all of well, this comes out. Well, I think you were saying there's more to this that 
we haven't seen yet. Oh yeah, unquestionably. And this, and and you know, I'm I'm of the opinion. I'm I still take the take the 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 tactic, my strategy, I guess, in in these kind of things is you don't make an assumption right off the bat. The story will play out. The story will change. I mean, it changed within 48 hours. You know, Gina was done. She's her career is over. And then, you know, Friday they get the the Daily Wire announcement that she's got a new deal to develop her own movie over there. So, 24 hours from now, we could be talking about a whole completely different thing. And you know, in in three days it could change again. In three months it could change again. And then when when September rolls around, and if Kathleen Kennedy is gone, then things could change again. And if she's not gone, if they if they decide to renew her contract again, that could happen. I don't know. I don't know how likely it is. I'm not going to speculate one way or the other. But it could happen. They could decide that. She needs to stay for whatever reason. That that, better be that a really changes. Good well, that <laughs> changes the game too because then then what does that mean? You know, what does that mean for Favreau and Filoni, and what does that mean for Mosin Gupta, and what does it mean for Michelle Rezwan? You know, all all of these people that have been announced in charge of things. We don't hear a whole lot about about Kathleen Kennedy these days, and there might be a reason for that. I don't know. Sci-Fi Snob says everything he says is different disinformation. Uh, Eastland, I think you're right. We're about to enter a golden age of independent and fundraised films. You look at comics. Imagine movies made that way. I that I think also you know and and you look at what's going on with Ethan over at uh, over with uh, with Cyberfrog. Not only is he crowdfunding comic books, but he's also now crowdfunding action figures. You know, he's you know, the cyber frog action figures are now a thing. And he's just he posted a video the other day, he just took possession of a warehouse for storage of all of his, his inventory. You know, he's going gangbusters. He's doing fine. And I'm running across a number of crowdfunded comic books that are now, you know, in their third or fourth or fifth issue sequels. You know, these are not one-and-done things. I think the industry is changing, and I think you're right. I think crowdfunded films, crowdfunded short films, crowdfunded feature films. I mean, for all that Alec Peters is Alec Peters, he got enough money to make a feature film if he had actually just spent the money on making the, making the Star Trek fan film that he wanted to make instead of, you know, misusing all of the funds like he did, allegedly. You know, Alec Peter. I have to say that I got to be fair. You know, <clears throat> I mean, we all those of us who have been paying attention know know what he did. But he had over a million dollars in crowdfunded money that he was supposed to use to make a fan film, and that money is out there. You know, you can make these, and if you're going to create a brand new IP, and that's what all of these guys are doing. You know, Ethan owns Cyberfrog, and you've got, you know, Clint Stoker with Fatal and, and uh, Downcast. You've got all of these different creators who are moving on away from uh, the corporate-owned IPs, Superman, Batman, The Avengers, Iron Man, Captain America, and such. And they're coming up with their own. 
And it's only a matter of time before the viability sets in that they sit there and they go, you know what, we could do this for other things besides comics. I mean, they've been doing uh, uh, prose anthologies, short story anthologies. We've talked to Robert Greenberger about a couple of them that he's been that he's done. So crowdfunding is a viable thing. And I think that as we get further into that in the next few years, especially, we will see that become an even bigger piece of the of the mix in terms of filmed media, uh, not just comic books, uh, video games, novels. Short story music, collections, everything. music, yeah, everything is going to go. There will be a crowdfunding aspect to all of those different pieces of entertainment media. Well, the corporations have just gotten so far detached yeah. from reality-based human beings. Yeah. And they're so full of themselves. And <coughs> it's not, I mean, you can look at corporations from whether it's the private sector or the public sector. Well, I mean, everybody it, who's running something. Yeah. And that's why the little guys are stepping up and be like, fine, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take the reins to my own future because they don't care. Well, and, and Eastland makes a good point about, you know, you've got these corporations, Disney, especially on the on the hot seat for paying people like Alan Dean Foster. You know, that, to my knowledge, still doesn't have a, a resolution. And it's not just Alan Dean Foster. It's Charlie Lippincott, and it's it's others who have sat there and said, you know. And I'm I'm thinking that uh, that J. W. Rensler is also in that camp, you know. Where if the corporations sit there and say, you know, we don't we don't think we've got to pay you, how many of them are going to go out and do something new and different and not corporate? Because you know, well. Kevin J. Anderson has his own story universes that he plays in. Alan Dean Foster does as well. There's nothing that sits there and says they can't do a crowdfunded project either. I mean, Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan are both doing it. They created Bane for DC Comics. You know, Chuck Dixon's working on an Expendables comic book, and it's crowdfunded. And he's working with Sylvester Stallone on it. Things are changing. <clears throat> so it will... just have to be willing to sit there and say sorry and move yeah. on because you're going to have that situation where the bigger industry names corporations are going to burn those bridges yeah and, and they have to be willing to take that risk but yeah. that's what it is it's a it's their creation you have to look at it as i own this i'm a business owner and that's part of the risk of owning your own business and starting out there well, and we're even looking at it here as well. I mean, we've we've tried the Indiegogo thing before uh, with regard to building our own TV channel, online TV channel to get off of YouTube, and we're going to we're going to pivot off of that. And our next Indiegogo campaign is going to be a print edition, very much in the in the style of Starlog and Fangoria and Cinefantastique and Film Facts and and all of those from back in the day uh the the plan right now is to launch that campaign toward the end of march that might change we're we're looking at some logistics here uh but that might be a thing and and hopefully it's a thing hopefully it becomes something that's that's worth the time and it has value and people see some 
see some reason to support it, and and we'll go from there. And of course, you know, in the meantime, with the channel here, we've got the super chats, we've got the PayPal, we've got the the subscribe star account, so people can support us financially that way. I don't put a whole lot of emphasis on it, but if people want to throw a super chat in, or if people want to throw money our way on 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 PayPal, that's fine. I'm I'm open to that. It'll help us buy our own fallout shelter. Look at this one. This is this is one that's on the on the map because we got to talk about you know we're talking about fallout from Disney. We'll talk about some fallout shelters here. This is this is in I think this is one in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now this is a yes. nice nice unassuming house. Um, a few miles from the strip down on Flamingo Avenue. But then underneath you have this massive complex. Uh, let me. If you guys have ever seen the movie Blast from the Past with Brendan Fraser and Alicia Silverstone, yeah, I mean, pretty it's much a, this is it. The, it's it's basically it's an underground complex with pools and here's here's outdoor. It's a it's a living a living space and it looks like they've got multiple houses, I guess, underneath and parks. And you know the sky, the ceiling's painted like a sky. How much? How much are they asking for this one? Uh, five point one million. million. They want five. They want five million for this. I mean, this, it looks like your typical house that you would find in old, you know, older areas of Las Vegas. Yeah. On top. But it's underground. And this, this one, this one. This one's in our area. We're looking at this one. I'm in the market for this one. This you guys can you guys can help. You guys can help us buy this. Send us a super chat. This is only a million and a half, what one point one million they're asking for. I think it was one point one. Yeah. It's got six bedrooms and three bathrooms. So you know this is and and that tower would be good for a ham radio. And we could broad we could broadcast we could broadcast on ham radio. Wouldn't that be cool? Um, you go down the steps into. I mean, it literally is a bunker. We could actually be live from the bunker in an actual fallout bunker. 1.1 million dollars they want for this. It looks a little unfinished in some of these places, but think about it. We could put a studio in here, offices, the control room. Unfinished, just a blank canvas to work. I'm not sure about this. Uh, somebody apparently is into uh, aerial, I guess, aerial fitness or aerial ar ar acrobatics or something, uh, uh, and and Buddhism all in the same room. That's an interesting little little nook. I'm not quite sure about all of the black furniture, the black cabinets and such. Um, it's an easy fix. Yeah, it just seems to just kind of suck the light in and make the rooms look smaller to me. Um, but I mean, here, here you could put a, t you could put a TV studio in here and, uh, uh, and a radio station. I mean, this, this would work just entirely along the lines of what I had originally thought of for this, for this channel. You know, every, every, everybody and everybody in the staff can move in. <laughs> I think that's where I lost you, right, Mrs. Voss? Is that where I lost you? So what's tomorrow's topic? <laughs> Actually, tomorrow we have a guest. 
tomorrow uh, we will have author. Let me uh, let me get up here so I can bring this up. Author Greg Binier, uh, author of the book Unfettered Journey. This is a brand new book. I don't know that it's out yet. Let me look see when it's when it releases. Um, it may be out already. It, no, it came out in September. Um, this is a, a a book that mixes science fiction, artificial intelligence, philosophical discussions about what actually makes a person a person. So some spirituality and soul type of thing in here. So that uh, that we're going to be talking uh, with him tomorrow. And I'm still trying to get Drunk Three PO on here at some point. Some of you, some of you in the chat, go bug him. Say when are you going to be on? When are you going to be on Sci-Fi for me? Because we're we're back and forth. He's like, yeah, I know, I know, I gotta, I we gotta do something. So, anyway, it does look like our stream has been relatively healthy on all three channels. I'm very happy with That's that. Good. That's very good. Uh, so there's uh, there's that, um, and I see. You know, some good, uh, some good traffic, some good, uh, some good participation in the chat. I do appreciate all of that, all of you being here, uh, Eastland and and Snob and Robert and Ray J. Ray J. Is that what it is? Did I? Is that yes? Ray J. Um, who else did I see here? Is so a Robert. Um, I don't see. I don't see Mazerus. We'll have to see yeah, where, he's where come today. All right, so he's probably working. Okay, so that's going to do it for us today. Like I said, we're going to continue to monitor the fallout, and we will look at other topics. And of course, uh, tomorrow evening uh, is talking about um, Star Wars. Star Wars. Let me get and the news. thing. We will have a brand new edition of the Salacious Crumbs with news and rumor about Star Wars. And then coming up on Friday, we will have a new discussion on our regular time of the Ranker Pit. Uh, this past Friday was a special edition, but we will have the Ranker Pit on Friday. And then on Saturday, in terms of discussions, we have a new Foreign Bodies that will drop uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern. And then, uh, of course, Saturday morning, as always, we have Good Morning Multiverse. And tonight, a uh, new H2O podcast, Mr. Harvey and I will be talking about board game movies. Because we just found out about another one. So we'll be talking about that. Um, and we'll see Batman what happens. Will ever make it to its own movie? A Batgammon movie? Oh. <laughs> one can only hope because it will give us something to talk about right <laughs> yeah uh but yeah the you know we've got you know we had battleship and there was what was it pixels it wasn't really so much a a, a pac-man movie but it was it was along those lines we got sonic the hedgehog as a video game movie but in terms jumanji of board games you know as a old you know fake well jumanji zathura yeah. Uh, but now we've got uh, Clue coming back as an animated series in addition to a movie that's been in development hell for a long time. And then you've Uno, got uh, the new the new one based on Rubik's Cube and a new movie based on Uno. So we've got things to talk about tonight. So that's the H2O podcast I tonight. I want to see Hungry Hippos 9 cross with Eastern, Jurassic Park. 
8 p.m. Central. That would be something. Now, the, the, Uno, the UNO concept, well, we'll talk about that tonight. Yes. All right. Thanks very much for being here, everyone. We will be back. Don't forget, on your way out, hit the thumbs up. Share this link. Uh, if you are new to the program or new to the channel, you are invited, of course, to subscribe. Have your notifications turned on. And you can find us on all of the different social medias. Most of the social medias. We're not on TikTok. We're not on Snapchat. But we're on most of everything else. So you can find us over there. Leave us a comment. Uh, leave us a topic suggestion. We do have an email address, live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com. Uh, suggest guests that we can invite uh, because this show does better when I'm talking to somebody else instead of Thanks. just myself. So, no, I, when I'm talking to somebody besides me, okay. if I'm just, if it's just me and I'm having to vamp for an hour, that's a whole lot less interesting than when I have somebody else to talk to. And that includes you as well as guests. And we'll have a guest tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern here on Sci-Fi For Me. Thanks for watching, everyone. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.